Welcome to Live on Purpose Radio with Dr. Paul Jenkins, where you will hear inspiring stories of ordinary people doing extraordinary things. Feed your mind with a regular dose of positive energy and show up for your life every day on purpose. Living on purpose means that you have a purpose and you do it intentionally. And now, here's your host, Dr. Paul. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Live On Purpose Radio. This is Dr. Paul, the shrink who expands your life with another episode of Live On Purpose Radio. I am constantly looking for people who understand the principles that allow us to live on purpose. And I found someone about five years ago when Harriet Cabelli was on my show before. We have recently reconnected. Harriet is an author. She's an inspiring teacher of true principles, and she's back at Live On Purpose Radio. Welcome, Harriet. Thanks. Thanks, Dr. Paul, for that great introduction. Let's live up to it now. Glad you're back, and I'm excited about your new book, which I have reviewed. Now, you've written this book called Living Well Despite Adversity. This is actually, you know what excited me about this, Harriet? It's a compilation of interviews that you've done. Yes. You have found some very inspiring people who have something to say about living well despite adversity. Right. I'm sure that has been a, an amazing adventure for you to not yes. only talk to those people, but compile their thoughts. Tell us a little bit about where this project started. What? How okay, so that's, um, so that's interesting because when I started my blog, maybe five or six years ago, when I left my school system job called retired, but I don't like that word, makes me feel old. I left to do what I really wanted to do and set out to do, which go. is to counsel people and to be involved in people's journeys as they cope and hopefully grow through their challenges. This has really been a lifelong theme for me since I'm a teenager. Not quite uh-huh. sure how it evolved, but I just became interested in how people can overcome and can transcend their challenges because we know that it's inevitable we're all going to have losses and challenges. Nobody goes through this life unscathed. So really the key is how we maneuver them, how we handle them, and then how we rise above them so that we're not knocked down forever. So mm-hmm. and I like to say, although it's not my quote, how do we become better as opposed to bitter? If you change right. that one letter. I for E. It's not mine, though, so I take no credit, but I think yeah. it's really, it's it's cute. So when I started my blog, I thought to myself that what would really be meaningful to me would be to get people's stories and find people who've had to overcome various, all different types of challenges and losses, and just hear from them how they've managed it, how they've coped, how they've managed, and how they've been able to live on a rich life despite so that's right. kind of just been my my theme. I've just been interested in it. And what I did was I just started reaching out to people. I found them based on books. I'm a real book junkie. I love nonfiction mm-hmm. memoirs. Also, believe it or not, un- unsurprisingly so, I like reading about people who grow through their situations. Sure. So I look for those types of books. So whenever I'd find a book, I would reach out 
to the person who wrote it, or I'd come back from a movie, or I would just know about certain people or find them on the web. I'd reach out, I'd ask them if they if they would mind being interviewed, and 99.9% of the people came back with a yes. So I felt, wow, this is like an easy thing. It must be meant to be. Nah. So I started saying once a month, I'm going to do these interviews. And then it ended up that for three years, for 36 months, I got... 36 interviews and they were all on my blog and then I had people start to say to me instead of having them sit there why don't you compile them into a book Mm -hmm. now I really didn't know where to start with that so I kind of looked to have somebody help me and anyway that's how it evolved and then it took another two years and voila here's the book a compilation of 36 interviews and then I kind of give my own little thing at the end of each one, nothing too long. I just pull out some themes and personalize it also with my own challenges, and right. that's really it. But the wisdom lies in the interviews. Yes. this I, Harriet, I call this my human treasury. And yeah. by the way, you're part of my human treasury, which is <laughs> why we got to reconnect again. There is such wisdom, Yeah. Yeah. In, in people's experiences, in their stories. And yes. we don't have to go reinvent the wheel. Right. People have right. learned things and shared things. So I'm eager to highlight a few things that you've learned. Right. And, and I'm sure there are some themes or other uh, powerful concepts that have emerged for you, especially yes. as you've gone back through all of these interviews and compiled it into this book. Right. What comes to your mind first? What are some of these common themes that you're finding as people have figured out how to do just what your title suggests, to live well despite right. adversity? Right. So there's, there's really a lot of themes, but to hone in on a couple, um, I happen to love Viktor Frankl, who is a, he was a psychiatrist, a uh, Logotherapist, to be exact. Logotherapy is the, is the therapy of meaning and purpose. He went through uh, concentration camps. He was born mm-hmm. in Vienna. He came through it, survived, and then went on to, to write a lot about how we not only survive, but then thrive through trauma. And yes. a lot of the wisdom actually comes out of his theories. Again, people just live that way. So I just want to share one real biggie. I mean, we'll talk about a couple of themes, but the biggest one is the idea that it's never our circumstances that define us. Even though most people will say, I'm knocked down by my circumstance. It's all about what's happening to me. And of course that is, it is about circumstance, but really what it's about is beyond the circumstance and how we respond to it. Because you could take a few people who have the same circumstance, you know, they lost their jobs, God forbid, they lost a child, they, they got stricken with cancer. And how come some will be knocked down and basically stay knocked down and others will be able to rise above? So clearly, there's something beyond circumstance and our external situation. And that is our response to it. And I think we've all heard it's not what happens to us. It's how we respond to what happens to us. So it's kind of simple and we know it, but it's really hard to implement. So that's probably one of the biggest mm. things just in life in general of how we handle what's given out to us, because we're all going to have bad situations. So what differentiates us from others or us from having a uh, 
a squelched life from having a life that we could still do well in. And that's how we respond when bad things happen to us. So that's a huge Uh. theme in my book. And that's gone over and, and gleaned out through many of the interviewees. In fact, probably all of them kind of talk about that in some way. Uh, so that's the biggest one. Then we could go into some others, obviously. That is beautiful. And I think a perfect uh, foundation, really, for all of the other principles or, or concepts that we could draw out. It starts with the dare I say, irrelevance of our circumstances. I mean, it's relevant in the sense that that gives us the context. Right. But right. like you were saying, it, that's not what determines the outcome. Right. So can we just debunk a common myth right up front here? Sure. I think some people get a little tipped over because they were trained, taught, and educated, maybe through their family or religious upbringing or wherever it was, that if I do everything right, then I won't have to suffer all of these terrible things. Right. Just, right. It, it's just not true, is it? No, I mean, that's just not how life is. That's not how life works. We're all going to have our share. That's just, the, that's just the foundation of being a human being. Bad things right. happen. To di- in varying degrees, in varying frequencies. Obviously, some people seem to have more, some have less, but everybody's going to suffer some kind of loss because part of being living, part of living is dying. So in and of itself, death is something that we're all going to experience, death of loved ones, if nothing else. And that's that's huge. Unfortunately, it happens sometimes way before we're, pre- you know, we're destined to. Well, so people, when, children, when are you ready for it? I mean, right. It's, it's going to happen. So this is not about, hey, here's how you can avoid some of the terrible things that could happen right. to you in your life. It's really more about, okay, what are you going to do when it happens? Exactly. And that's crucial. It's not about avoiding the bad. It's when the bad comes, how are you going to stand up against it so that you don't curl up in a ball under your covers and stay there forever? Now, there's nothing wrong with curling up under the covers for a while. We all have to do it. That is that's another big theme in the book, which oh. is really we have to be able to feel the pain. And this, right. I don't take credit for this. There's another line. You can't heal what you don't feel. Oh. So you have to be able to feel your pain and go into it so that you can come through it. So that's another big theme in the book, because nowadays in our society, everybody, I don't say everybody, but we're, we're prone to being pill poppers. Doctors mm. write left and right. You know, I'm sad. I can't deal with my divorce. My best friend moved. I'm upset here. Here's a prescription. You'll feel better. I need a fix. I need a fix. Quick fix society. But that doesn't help us. It just pushes it down. It doesn't help us cope. And and we're becoming addicted. I mean, that's a whole other problem in and of itself. But putting that aside, we must allow ourselves to feel permission to feel and to go through it. Nobody ever dies of bad feelings mm-hmm. because clouds, feelings shift. And we have to be able to withstand it with some help, with some support. But that's really the crux of getting through the bad is going through it. It sounds kind of like um, paradoxical. You have to like mm-hmm. go through to come through it. But, but, but it's so. It's so, because we know that when we squelch it and avoid it and deny it and numb it, 
by all our acting out behaviors, you know, go have the drinks, go, go have the drugs, go, go do cutting and what so many overeating, all of these types of behaviors. It does nothing but damage us. And it's usually to numb our bad feelings that we're not able to cope with. Right. An attempt to avoid it. Avoid. Instead of what you're talking about here, which is accept it. Right. You don't have to be afraid of it. Just because it's going to be painful does not mean that you can't handle it. Exactly. But that's a common misconception and I think a belief that really gets us stuck. In fact, Dr. Susan Jeffers in her book, Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway, she suggested that the root of every fear is a common belief that we can't handle it. Right. And that's why we go to the drugs or why we go to the the maladaptive coping strategies right. th- that are actually making it worse. So you're saying, just let yourself feel it. Right. And we can handle it. Like you say, it is a belief, but we can. Nobody, like we said, nobody dies of bad feelings. People do commit suicide. Obviously, they die of, of hor- horrific depression. But again, that's those bad feelings that just sit and fester. And I'm not being very simplistic. I'm not trying to be simplistic about depression and suicide. Those are major, major issues. It's Absolutely. major situations that require a lot more than just this short, you know, um, interview. But the in the in the bigger scheme, if we can teach our children that it's okay to be scared, it's okay to be sad, it's okay to be angry instead of always yes. pushing it away and saying oh don't be scared oh big boys don't cry you See, shouldn't that's, that's, feel this way you mm-hmm. shouldn't feel this way that's that's the society and the belief that says feelings are no good so when we're raised by with those types of beliefs the feelings are no good then of course we're going to be scared of them and we're going to try to squelch them and we're going to try to mask them and avoid them and do whatever we can because the and- belief is feelings aren't good some of those avoidance behaviors are fatal. Exactly. People do exactly. die from those. Oh, wow. Harriet, great start. As we come back from this break, folks, we're going to get some of the highlights that Harriet has learned from these amazing interviews that she's held. This is Harriet Cabelli at Live on Purpose Radio. We'll be right back. You all know that I'm excited about positive psychology. Finally, there is an app that is available to help you feed your happy. My friend Scott Wilhite developed this app. Scott, tell us about it. Well, uh, it's called Feed Your Happy. It's like seven habits meets the Fitbit, where you get Mm, mental training on seven core skills to happiness, and you get the tracking ability too, so that you can chart. Anything you chart improves faster. If you like apps, if you like games, if you like happy, this is it. Feed Your Happy. It's available now in the App Store. And welcome back. Harriet Cabelli at Live On Purpose Radio today. Harriet, what an amazing adventure you've had to interview and pick the minds of... You know what? I've said sometimes that my job as a psychologist, is the greatest spectator sport in the world. Can you relate mm-hmm. to that? Absolutely. We observe people in all their greatness and all their sorrow and pain. Yes. Right. You've learned some powerful things 
through these interviews in your own life experience. We were talking before the break about acceptance. Let yourself feel whatever you're going to feel. You're a human. This is how we operate. Right. And then there's some other themes that we can apply as we have that basic level of acceptance. We don't have to avoid all of these hard things. We simply need to have some kind of a strategy for what we're going to do with them. Walk us through that a little bit, would you? Okay, so I've had, like I said, 36 interviews, everyone amazing in his or her own way. So there's a, a couple of things I'd like to pull from some of these interviews And one is that we all have strengths, every single human being with disabilities, with not, with no matter what problems, every human being is born with strengths. Those are gifts from God, from a higher power, whatever you choose to believe. So the key is that when people have, let's say, disabilities, and I've interviewed a lot of people in the book who have various forms of disabilities, the key is not to allow the disability to define who we are. Because that makes us very small. In other words, I interviewed Temple Grandin, who has um, Asperger's, high-functioning, brilliant woman, goes all over the world, uh, you know, speaking. I'm sure most of you have at least heard of her. And her, her interview was just filled with the idea that if we just box ourselves or pigeonhole ourselves into, yes, I have autism, I have CP, I have cancer, I have, I'm a paraplegic then that's who we are. And that's very limiting, as opposed to saying, I'm a person who loves studying horses, and I have autism. Or Mm -hmm. I'm a person who I love to do motivational speaker uh, speaking. I also happen to be a quadriplegic, and I sit in a wheelchair. Mm -hmm. In other words, that we are bigger than our problem. Yes. And that our potential is limitless and that we need to dig in and see the whole person beyond the disability or the problem so that we could shine that light on other aspects of them, mm-hmm. of who they are. She, she would say, she would say, said in her interview, she didn't like when she'd meet little kids with autism or on the spectrum and they would come over to her and say, hi, Temple, I'm glad to meet you. I'm Johnny. I, I, I'm autistic. And she would say, you're Johnny, you have autism. And you also love to draw, you're great in math, you love to dance. In other words, it's semantical differences, but it could make a huge difference in how we view ourselves and others. So we don't define ourselves by the adversity, whatever it is, if it's a disability or if it's a life circumstance or an event Right. That doesn't get to define us. We are so much more than that. We are so much more than that. Because when we define ourselves that way, we limit ourselves. And we put chains right. around ourselves. Well, and it's we're, like our, our focus has suddenly gone to what can't I do? Exactly. Which isn't very exactly. helpful. Exactly. What can I do as opposed to, okay, I have this, but what can I still do? I interviewed a man who um, became a quadriplegic, actually from my town, ironically enough, Uh, from a car accident, and he's out in California, and he decided to take on a challenge to wheel in his wheelchair, in his manual wheelchair, 3,000 miles from California back to New York to his hometown. It took him about, I think, like 99 days. A documentary is now coming out in October. It's called Roll With Me. And his whole purpose 
what not to show that oh my god he's this martyr but his whole purpose was to show that we are limitless that no matter what is broken there are still things that work beautifully and that we cannot succumb because we all have limitations and the human potential is limitless. So, I mean, that's a very extreme way of showing it. But again, these are the types of messages that we need to hear so that when we have our challenges, we could say, hey, wait a second, I don't have to die from this or I don't have to decide, "Uh oh, my life is over. Right. It may be changed. Not it may be. It is changed. It is, it's very different. But that's the whole key is how do we be, rebuild and recreate our lives given what we have to deal with, given the negativity. And how is this new tapestry going to look? What new new strengths are we going to pull on or pull out of ourselves that may be hiding somewhere that we could now say, oh, my God, I could use this. I never even knew I had this aspect of me. Like when my daughter was in the hospital for a year and she went through her medical crisis, if you would have told me on day 10, you're going to, she's going to be on a respirator for three months, I would have said, you might as well put me away because I won't be able to deal with it. Right. But when we don't know ahead of time and we're, we're called upon to put one foot in front of the other, suddenly we're pulling on strengths unbeknownst to us. We turn around. I turned around and said, wait a second, how did I do this? Where did I get all this from? And it's there. Yeah. It's there. If we if we believe it is, so much of ourselves is our own beliefs of what we can and can't do. Which brings me to another point. Do I have time for another point? Absolutely. You're rolling. Which is, it's not just what we're born with. In other words, so many people will say, you know, I'm a, what do they say? Are you a, ha- a half empty glass, half full? Is your glass half empty? You're half full. You're a pessimist. You're an optimist. So we we definitely have more um, a genetic makeup towards predisposition, being more optimistic, more pessimistic. Those are some of our character traits, our personalities. Absolutely. Some are more, some are less. But that doesn't mean that it's etched in stone and that we can't move that line in that glass up a little bit saying, let's say we look at ourselves as I'm the half empty glass. We could move up with intention and purposeful behaviors. It's not just about what we come into this world with. There's a lot of studies now going on about resilience. Resiliency, it's a hot topic, neuroplasticity, the ability of brain cells to continue growing even even into the elder years of 90s, 100. And that's amazing research because what it's doing is it's showing all of us that as long as we're here, we have the ability to grow. We have the ability to grow, to change, to develop, and that we're not stuck. And that resiliency is like a muscle. It can be learned. So, yes, some people, are they naturally, innately more resilient? Absolutely. But does that mean that those of us who feel we're not as resilient, that we can't move ourselves up a notch and do things to make ourselves stronger? Again, using myself as an example, my daughter was in a rehab for nine months, part of that one-year hospitalization. I used to walk. Every day I'd walk, even in the brutal, cold New York winters. I'd walk where there was snow. It wasn't even a sidewalk. And the, and the bus drivers who'd come dropping the kids off because they had an outpatient clinic in the, in the rehab, they thought I was nuts. They'd be honking me. Do you want to lift back to the hospital? I'd say, no, 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 no. This is my therapy. 
I have right. to walk because I was very intentional in my own mind of I need to keep my body strong to be by my daughter's bedside 12 hours a day. How am I going to do this? I'm not a swimmer. I'm not a runner. I'm not going to a gym when she's at a rehab. So I walked. So every day I would walk fast for a half an hour. So these are intentional things that we could put into ourselves and take responsibility for and decide to do. It's about choice. It's not about, oh, this is me. I'm just a weakling. I'm doomed. Yeah. What Whew, a- that's a lot there. <laughs> wow. That's all I can say. Yeah. It's- <laughs> You're, you're spot on with this. This resonates so much with my clinical experience. And like you said, what the research is pointing out nowadays, we've, yes. I think for far too long, we've accepted an old worn out theory that, you know, you're just born this way. It's, there's nothing you can do about it. You're just naturally this or that. Right. And, right. and I agree a hundred percent. Uh, Harriet, you've, you may have some predisposition, some genetic coding towards something. That doesn't mean that you can't change. And, and our research, clinical experience, all supports that. You can make improvements. And like you said, move that line up a little bit. Right. Let's, let's bump it up. Let's see what we can do to improve or upgrade our current situation. Right. Right. Beautiful. Absolutely. And there's a um, there's a, a woman, a psychologist out of Stanford in California. Her name is Carol Dweck, who wrote the book Mindset. Mm. And and her studies, she, she's really teased out the difference between a fixed mindset and a growth mindset. The fixed mindset being what we're born with and that we can't really do much better because this is our IQ and this is what we're fixed with. And you're a math genius, but I'm not. And you're the athlete and I'm not as opposed to the growth mindset, which says some things may be harder. We're not going to be talented in everything, but we are all capable of growing in many more areas than we assign ourselves to believe we are. Now, that with that belief system, it opens us up to a world of opportunities and possibilities and saying, wow, there really is no limit if we can embrace that type of a mindset or belief system. And I think my interviewees basically show that in all the various yes. challenges that they go through. That's what is so compelling about your book. What excuses do I have? If I can, if I can read about what the people that you've interviewed have overcome and what their particular context was, it, right. it gives me a whole different way to think about my own challenges. Right. Where is it that I'm getting stuck or telling myself that this defines me? Right. Right. And that's what I hope people will take away is some of the lessons, some of the wisdom, some of the coping strategies. I mean, there's, and there's all kinds of specifics in terms of gratitude and faith and support. Right. I hope people will take some of that away, as well as the bigger things of there is more in my control that I can do. I don't have to become a victim to my circumstance. Right. So we can all, I think that's the message here today. We can all live well despite adversity and even in a strange way sometimes because of it yes because of it that's maybe a whole different conversation yeah yeah but that theme is there too i felt that in some of the stories that i was reading in your book Mm -hmm. definitely harriet how can people 
best connect with you, get a hold of the book, follow your blog. Tell us where, where to find you. Okay, so my website is uh, rebuildlifenow.com, basically because that's the theme of my work, to help people rebuild their life. Um, my book is on Amazon, Living Well Despite Adversity. It's on Amazon, and it just came out last month, the middle of August, so it can be purchased now on Amazon as a, as a regular hard copy book or uh, the Kindle version. And I'd love people to begin sharing stories on my website. I'm starting to collect more stories because maybe there'll be a volume two. <laughs> Do you think there's more stories out there? I, I mean, stories are where we learn everything from. Yeah. If, I mean, we learn from one another what works, what doesn't, and we're right. inspired. And you are a curator of those stories. I, th- I think I am as well. That's why we're having this interview. And, yeah. and as we share these stories with everyone else, it just creates new possibilities. So the website is yeah. rebuildlifenow.com. Right. Uh, Harriet Cabelli, and that is spelled C-A-B-E-L-L-Y. Yes. Harriet Cabelli, her book is available on Amazon, Living Well Despite Adversity. Harriet, thank you so much for being at Live On Purpose Radio today. Thank you for having me. This was great. Love talking with you always enlightening to connect with people like yourself everyone it's time pick up the book take a look at your own life consider the things that we've talked about here today and go live on purpose